to semester four, episode five of our Just Admit It podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into the complex college admissions landscape. I'm Katie, an IBY's counselor and former senior assistant director of admission at MIT. And joining me today is my friend and fellow IBY's colleague, Matt, who is a former senior assistant director of admissions at NYU and NYU Abu Dhabi. In this episode, we're going to share advice on how students can determine if tanking a gap year is the right decision for them and offer tips on how to make the most of a gap year. Great to, to be here with you today, Nat. Oh, thanks. It's always nice when I have a, an opportunity to, to share some thoughts with you. And I know that we've um, I've so enjoyed working with you, Katie. So I'm I'm excited to talk about the gap year because there's a lot, there's a lot to cover and kind of as we Think about all the different possibilities. I don't think we can possibly cover everything about the gap year, but let's try to at least cover the most important points. Absolutely. Uh, so I think a, a good place to start would be what exactly is a gap year? I think there's so many different manifestations of it. And do you want to kind of define all of those different um, options that students have when it comes to taking a gap year? Yeah, sure. So gap years you know, typically refer to taking a year off after high school before entering college. Um, so that's kind of the zoomed out macro lens of what a gap year would be. I think when you get into the micro lens of it, it can mean a lot of different things um, because it could be like a postgraduate year. It could be um, that you've deposited and we'll talk about this at a at a college and you want to go do some things. Um, it could also mean that you weren't happy with where you got in or where you were accepted to and you want to try again. And so there's a lot of different reasons, but generally when we when we speak of the term gap year, we're really referring to or people are referring to kind of taking a year in between high school and college. But as we'll see, like this is this can mean a lot of different things. So what are some of the reasons, Katie, that, you know, that someone might want to take a gap year? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so many different reasons that I, I love to think of my brother. I feel like he did every single option that you can do in terms of gap years and took like five years before he enrolled in undergraduate. Um, he would probably not like that I'm making fun of him for taking so many gap years, but he did a lot of different things. So he had graduated from high school and did not like the options that he had for college and wasn't really ready to go to college at that point. Um, and he ended up doing a postgraduate year at a boarding school in New York State. And that was a great chance for him to get out of the high school environment that he'd been in. Um, he was at the same school pre-K through 12. And so it was it was nice for him to have a different kind of environment and be around a different community of people and think really long and hard about what he wanted to do in terms of higher education. And ultimately he decided he didn't want to go to college right off the bat um, after finishing that, that postgraduate year. Many students will do that 13th year, it's kind of called, um, and that could be at the high school that you're attending. So you stay and you want to do extra coursework, or I will see a lot of students do uh, a postgraduate year if there's extra requirements, like if they mm -hmm. transferred high schools in the middle of high school and weren't able to finish all of the requirements that they need for graduation. That can be a reason for a gap year or for a postgraduate year. Um, if, you know, there was a, a medical situation that came up in 11th grade, I feel like 
a lot of people I know will get mono in 11th grade and that knocks you out for like the whole year. And right. it's really hard, especially if you're in advanced courses and you're involved in a lot of extracurriculars to be able to juggle that while also recovering from mono. And so being able to do kind of that 13th year, you can take all of those courses that you are hoping to take. Um, some other types of gap year options could be doing like an internship program. So that was another thing that my brother did, um, yeah. an internship program in Massachusetts um, where he like worked as a bouncer for nine weeks. And then he worked with a news crew um, and got to go along on like breaking news things. And that also was uh, an EMT, like rode along with EMTs and ambulances. Um, and then from there, he decided to go on and do uh, actually a full EMT certification course. And so that oh, was that's awesome. the, the third year of his his gap year sojourn. Um, and then he ended up going to college down the line, um, yeah. you know, discovered ethnomusicology and that's what he wanted to go to undergrad that's for awesome. and yeah. ended up going to New Zealand for undergrad. Um, oh, and so that cool. was very different than any of the things that he had thought about going to in the U S but that gave him the chance to really explore and figure out, you know, okay, actually I do like school. Cause when he was in high school, where I was in school with him, he absolutely hated school um, and didn't want to ever write an essay or do any homework. And now he's going for his PhD in ethnomusicology, which at 18, oh, that's I awesome. would have thought would happen. Um, what are some other, are there any others that you can think of or uh, examples of students that you've had do different gap year options? Yeah, you know, at Ivy Wise, we used to have a really a, a closer relationship with a, a program called City Year, um, which is based in a lot of major cities and even uh, abroad, like I think in the UK and South Africa. And I was so impressed with the kids that I got to work with at City Year. And essentially City Year is, it's co-sponsored by AmeriCorps. And essentially it has, it has kind of I, I shouldn't say like evolved over the few years, but I would say that generally speaking, it's it's for students who want to take a year off. They're in the city, like in the, the kids that I worked with were were in New York City specifically, and they were given housing. They would uh, be living with another city year um, program, I guess, uh program participant and they would be like the, the kids that I was working with, they would be, they would work in the schools um, at different under resourced schools around the city. So one of them might be in the Bronx, one of them might be in Brooklyn, one of them might be in Queens. And then they were always taking the train back um, to wherever they had, they shared a small apartment together. And so it was really cool amazing social justice minded work that they were doing. A lot of it was mentoring. A lot of it was um, developing relationships with kids or just making sure that things, you know, things that it could be helping a teacher in the classroom. It's just like an extra body, an extra source of inspiration for kids that are, were at under resourced schools. And I was so impressed with the kids that I met in the city year program. Um, I, really was just I had so much admiration for them. I remember some of the rules that they had is that it, when they were in uniform, because they had to wear this uniform that said city year on it, they'd take the train. They were, they were not allowed to sit down if there were people on the train that were, you know, on the subway and, and having lived in Brooklyn and 
navigating the train system. There's, you know, at the morning commute when you're going to school, there's a lot of kids that, you know, there's a, the trains are really busy. And so if there were, if there were no seats available, they were not allowed to sit down in the seats when they were in uniform. And there were just a lot of amazing things about the program that the kids for me, when, when I got to work with them, they were just so compelling and they were doing things to, you know, to help others, but they were still, a lot of them are still trying to figure out what they wanted to do in their own lives, like you know, for college. So uh, that I love your example of, you know, your brother was a great case study for us to talk about because he did so many different things, but some of them, you know, at city year that I worked with that had already applied to college, if I, if I'm not mistaken, and then some of them, you know, had applied, but we're going to kind of use the experience and try to apply again. And we'll talk, we have to talk some about the minutia of that. Um, so again, it doesn't have to be the same reason for everyone, but other programs, I mean, some kids might know that they want to take a year off to travel, um, or, you know, do something that they weren't able to do. I actually worked with a student, um, at the last high school that I was working at. And, uh, she, um, and this is a really good case study because she was accepted early decision to a school. Um, and they were really, you know, they were, um, so generous with her and she's decided that she wanted to take a gap year, um, to try her hand at modeling in New York city. And, uh, so she asked the school, for, you know, can I take a gap year? And then they said, yes, just let us know, like check in with us again in December, we'll keep your spot. And she started modeling and kind of the modeling thing took off. And then, so she has to take another year and they said, yes, sure. And she was also a recruited athlete. And so it was really generous of them to be like, Hey, like we want you to go do what you want to do. And, you know, when you come back, like, you'll be great. And long story short, she ended up actually, the modeling thing was was really, it became a, a very big part of her life. Um, and she ended up having to transfer schools to be in New York City. She thought like, I, you know, education is always something that I wanted to do. And so I wanted to transfer to New York City and, and her school was so generous. And I don't expect every school to be as generous as they were, as this particular school in Maine was about letting her, you know, say like, okay, like we absolutely, we want you to be happy. Like, thank you for always communicating with us. And so she relinquished her spot um, at this school and then she applied to another school in New York City. And then, you know, and she's there now um, and she and being in New York City allows her to model. So it's it's different for everyone. But one of the things that I want to point out is that when you look at the graduation rates and retention rates of kids that do take a gap year, right? A year off, it's actually higher, right? Like the schools, there's a lot of schools that have done research, internal research of like, wow, like look at, look at the graduation rate. So you are, you come to school with more life experience, you come to school more mature. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that then you, you're more likely to graduate or come back the next year, right? You've gotten kind of everything that out that you want to do. Um, So now let's talk about some of the differences between like a PG year and then like, a, cause that's a postgraduate year, right? So, cause I don't, cause there can be some confusion of like, what's the PG year, right? Oftentimes for sports, as opposed to kind of just taking a year off, you know, to kind of travel the world or, or do whatever. Do you, can you go into that, Katie? 
Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of schools that will offer students the opportunity, yes, to do a, a PG year and you're mm-hmm. still enrolled full time as a high school student. And typically it's that year that you would apply to colleges um, right. for students that are opting to take a more than the traditional what we think of as a gap year. They mm-hmm. will have already graduated from high school. Um, and so that's the big distinction. A PG is you haven't Maybe you, you know, you've finished at that high school that you're at and you're going to another high school, but you haven't formally graduated um, versus you're you're done. You, you know, yep. cap and gown, you did all the hoopla and you're choosing to do something else for a year. And that, right. that could be any number of things. And you bring up a good point because like the PG year application and it it mostly it's not always, but it mostly is for athletic reasons, right? For Because there are some schools, you know, colleges that will say like, hey, if you take a PG year and reclassify, like we can include you in the next year's class, not this year's class. We really want you. So I've had students that have, you know, been helped to take a PG year so that they can be reclassified. Um, that application process is roughly around the same time as you're applying to colleges. So a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times a student will be applying to colleges at the same time as they're applying to high schools for PG. And then they'll be deciding what makes the most sense for them. Um, You know, like, oh, like I got into this college and that was, you know, like, and I got recruited and, but, but I'm still going to take a PG year and maybe try to leverage my chances, whether it's playing hockey for a year at this prep school, um, which that's probably, that's one of the the populations that PGs a lot. Sometimes it's football, sometimes it's lacrosse, um, but you're, you're absolutely right. Um, in terms of when, like, if you were to do this, right, like, what's the best way do you want to talk about? Do you let the school know? When do you let the college know that you're going to take a PG? Yeah, because there's, there's, I have some strong feelings about this. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Katie. Yeah, I think, you know, I always encourage students leave, leave your options open. And I, I've worked with a lot of students who we went through the whole college application process. And while that's happening, there's also this consideration in the back of the mind. OK, well, I'm, I might be also doing a PG year. I might take a gap year. Or like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but keeping all of the, you know, keeping all of your options open, mm-hmm. uh, I think. You know, from the college side, yes, selfishly, I always wanted to know, like, is the student actually going to enroll this year or not? From the student side and as like a college counselor, I think until you have decided for sure, yes, I'm taking a PG year. Yes, I'm doing this. um, I wouldn't communicate that to the college. Like, I don't think write your common application personal statement about. And this is why I want to take a graduate year. Right. Um, Unless you're answering that one question from Harvard about if you had a year off and you want to, what do you want to do with it? Um, Otherwise I think keep all of your options open. And and as you make that decision, then obviously communicate with the colleges, but I think you want to gather all of the information first and then make Mm -hmm. that decision around, you know, March, April, when you get your college decisions back and and all of that. What do you kind of advise students or what what are your opinions on that? Yeah, I agree. You know, there is like from the college side, you always want to know and you're trying to enroll the next class, right? It's really, it's really important to enroll the next class for a variety of reasons and tuition revenue being a major one. But so from, from a student perspective and in, in looking out for the student's interest, you don't want to, 
you want to keep that close to your sleeve. You don't want to really let them know. Um, and, and I'd be curious to see Katie, if you've ever had a student ask to take a gap year and then the, the, the college say, no, you can't take a gap year. Cause I've, I've heard of that happening. I've, I don't know of any of my students that had that, had that happen even during the pandemic when colleges were really worried about, you know, would they have enough students to enroll? And we heard about some schools that were, you know, down a significant percentage of students because when the pandemic started, but have you ever had a college say no? Because generally speaking, you, you get in, you, you put in your enrollment deposit, right? Your 500, 800, whatever it is. And then you write a letter to the Dean and say, Hey, I, I would love to take a gap year. Here's what I'm planning to do. Or like, how do I go about that? And the dean writes, okay, like this is what you have to do. You write, write what you're planning to do, and then we'll keep your spot. You'll check in in December. Have you ever had a student where a college has said no? I have, actually. So it was a student in the class of 2020, so of right in the, the apex of the pandemic. And yep. she actually had lined up an internship to work mm-hmm. for the year at a, like a local TV news station. She wanted to go into film right. um, studies. Like I think she wanted to make reality TV shows, which is amazing. Um, and the school's like, nope, can't take a gap year. We welcome you to reapply in the next year. And she actually, she ended up still taking the gap year. You know, it was school, college was going to be online for her anyways. And she was like, I I don't want to start college online, especially being, it was several states away from where her home, um, her hometown was. So she opted to reapply the following year and it was a rolling admission school and they admitted her within three weeks. They were like, yep, here, and we're giving you, even more money than you got the last year. Um, but it was just a, a way that their enrollment management was working that year. Is they, they had to, yeah. Have to grant, um, grant gap years because they wanted students to enroll. Yep. And I had heard of schools having to do that because they need to know how many kids are going to be on campus yeah. um, because their operating budget relies on tuition revenue. Right. So absolutely. That's a, that was a really tough year. And I would have guessed that, you know, it would have come during the pandemic if any school were, were to say no. Um, you know, my experience has been luckily that, you know, every college has been, you know, the, the, the college that I, that I shared, you know, that was more than generous. I don't know if every school would have given two years and then said like, oh yes, we'll relinquish. And so that's, a, that's the next important point is that, you know, ethically you have to, we're always say like, you, you have to do what's right. And you don't, you want to give up your spot if you plan to apply to schools again. Right. And so what, what do I mean by this? Cause I, I don't know if I'm saying it properly, but right. Let's say you've, you've taken a gap year, right. And you put in a deposit, but then you come back and you decide, huh, like I, I traveled the world. I went to all of these amazing international locations and I'm, I'm slated to go to this small, amazing liberal arts school, but it's in a more rural area. I think I want to be in college at a university now. Like I want to be a university in a, in a city now based on the traveling that, I done, that I've done. What would a student do then to, to do it the most ethical way? Yeah. So I think, you know, in that case, let the college that you enrolled in know as soon as possible because they are holding a spot for you. And if that means they can admit another person, like Mm -hmm. what if you were that person waiting for that spot, you're on the wait list or you're waiting to get your decision in March and this is your dream school and a spot opens up, you know, it's, it's, 
both unethical, but also a little selfish, say, I'm going to hold on to that spot. Mm-hmm. While I also apply to all of these other schools. And I think right. you know, that's a challenge. Like I see some students do, well, I didn't get into the schools that I wanted to get into. Right. So I'm going to go take a year off, but then I'm going to reapply. But I, at the same time, have enrolled in this other school that's holding a spot for me. And that, right. you know, that feels icky to me. Yeah. And that's really important because we always want to counsel from, you know, an ethical high point, right? Like, and that's, that's very important to everything that we do and all the counselors that, you know, that I know and my colleagues, you know, it's interesting because some of the guidelines have changed and, and, and lessened. And a lot of this came about pre-pandemic when the DOJ, the Department of Justice, had done like a two-year investigation on antitrust laws. And so what used to be, and this is kind of getting into the minutia, but it's like the statement of principles and good practice. Um, that was kind of a guideline for NACAC members, right? The National Association of College Admissions Counselors. And then that, because of the DOJ, they they it really kind of changed. And it said that, well, now colleges should be allowed to recruit students that have already submitted an enrollment deposit. And so because it's an it's an antitrust law, it's breaking an antitrust law if you can't compete for a student. And so there's still this legal standpoint where, you know, a college can still recruit you even if you have um, deposited somewhere else. But we're still saying and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you still we as a student, as as a guidance counselor, as a advisor would still advise a student to let the school that they're deposited know and be really transparent and then say like, Hey, like I'm going to, you know, so that you can then apply to other schools. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I think the, the spirit of a gap year is fitting for that student who goes and travels and figures out, okay, no, I don't want to be on at a rural, tiny little yep. college anymore. I want a different experience out of college. And yes. I, like, I have no ethical faults with that decision to then apply to a different, to different schools and, and go after what you want. Um, yeah. And that's probably what we see the most. If we're looking at like, Oh, like why kids don't end up going to the school that they deposit at is like they go, they might travel the world. They might be lucky enough to travel the world. And then they, they come back with, different preferences for what they want in their university, which is totally understandable. Yeah. But you still, I think, you know, you want to communicate with the school. It's real people who are reading your application and deciding to admit you and like waiting for you to enroll, you know, even if it's at a bigger school, I remember students that would take gap years and I'm like, Oh, I can't wait until they get here. And, you know, I would want them to come to the admitted student meet. um, Yeah weekend the year with like the class that they were going to enroll in so that we can meet them this week, you know? Oh, that's so funny that you, that's so funny that you say that because I remember specifically reading a student and being so excited about a student from Garfield high school in Washington state and then meeting her, um, you know, an accepted candidate's day when she was, when she was walking around and, and I was like, Oh my gosh, you're, you're Teshka. Like I, I've like, I read your application, like you're incredible. And then I was so excited for her to come the next year and she took a gap year <laughs> and then she did come. And so I had to wait, but yes, you, what you just said was like totally resonated with me. Like you're excited to meet these kids. And, but you're also, if, if they decide like, you know, that they want to go somewhere else, then that's, that's awesome. Right. Like that they've figured that out during college. Now, one of the things that comes up is 
a lot of times when you apply for a gap year, because a lot of times when students don't get the college, you know, decisions that they want, right? And we can go all into like, you should, you should have at least a school on your list that you know that is a likely school that you'd be happy to attend. But for whatever reason, if you didn't, if your college search was not optimized and you were in a situation where you want to apply again, you know, oftentimes if you don't do anything, or even if you do, this is the tough part, even if you do something really cool and compelling, it doesn't necessarily make you a stronger applicant the very next year. Yeah. Right. Like it, like in my, in, in the way that it manifests, it doesn't raise your academic rating depending on what you've done. Right. Do you, do you want to, do you have any comments about this? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like, okay. Yes. You could go cure cancer, but that Mm -hmm. unfortunately is not going to make up if you have D's and F's and that's a school that really needs you to be in the A category in terms of grades. Um, So that if I'm hearing you correctly, that that's a situation where a student taking like maybe takes a PG year to kind of raise their academic. Now, what if they, what if they instead took college classes? Yeah. So that, you know, that's a, that's one option. Um, what's challenging about that is, are you enrolling to take college classes just for credit or have right, you matriculated as a full-time right. student at like that community college or something like that? If you enroll full-time as a student, as an undergraduate, then that puts you into the transfer student category, which is right. oftentimes even fiercer for application, like in terms of application. Some, yep. Yes, exactly. For some, but no, and you bring up a great point, Katie, because sometimes like if, if a student is not happy and they want to take a gap year and travel or something and then try to reapply and I'll say like, Hey, that doesn't raise your AQR, your academic raising rating. But if you want to do that and then maybe enroll at a community college or enroll at another college and then transfer in at a lot of places, not all at a lot of places, it's going to be easier to transfer in. Um, And it depends if the student was not as compelling as an applicant in the first year class for first year admission. And it was because they, their test score wasn't, you know, where it needed to be. Well, as a transfer student, they may still ask for test scores, but you don't, because you're not starting in the fall of your first year, a school doesn't have to report your test scores. And so you can be much more compelling to a school if you're transferring in. So there's nuance to all of this in terms of what is the best practice to do if you're trying to leverage to get a better college outcome and and you have to define what better is, right? So yeah, it's so individual. Like I remember working with a student a couple of years ago who had done pretty abysmally in high school, mm-hmm. um, pulled it together in like the final year, had great test scores, ended up enrolling in a school, but then withdrew from that college because they went and started a venture capitalist firm or venture capital firm. And when I got to working with them, it was for transfer and yep. it was such a different applicant that if, you know, if I was seeing that freshman application right. from the student, it's like, okay, yeah, automatic no for all of these places because of your grades. But right he got a lot more interesting and a lot different and had enrolled in one school withdrew from that because he was doing his venture capital stuff, but then Mm -hmm. had continued doing community college courses to build up and say like, see, look, here is how I do in Calc 101. And Mm -hmm. here's how I do in an intro computer science course. And that gave enough of a boost to his academics to say, yes, you can handle the academic work at these institutions. And that's a really important point because sometimes they, you know, 
families and students might assume like, oh, I take a gap year, I'm going to be more competitive. You can take a gap year, but then at most places, not all, right? Like you actually can be more competitive by going through the transfer pool, right? And taking classes and then showing them. Because if you if it's the case where you need to show better grades or something, just taking a gap year doesn't show better grades. Like you, but enrolling in a college, whether it's a community college or, or a, a college that has accepted you. And then really, and that's a whole other podcast episode about like, you know, the mindset that you should have if you're, if you're planning on transferring, because it's not like you still want to engage and immerse yourself as much as you can with even full knowledge that you might not be there for all four years, but that's important. There's also another thing to talk about is like, if I'm, if I know I'm going to take a gap year, should I apply when I'm a senior in high school or should I apply the year after I've graduated as a senior in high school? What do you, do you have thoughts on that, Katie? I say definitely apply when you're a senior. <laughs> um, I think it's yeah. it's kind of like when I was thinking about taking the GRE for graduate school. Do I want to take it while I'm enrolled in school and actually have done math recently mm-hmm. and read many books or taking it after you're kind of out of out of the school environment? And I will say, you know, from having been on the high school side as a college counselor, I was much friendlier and helping them apply to college and that even knowing they were going to take a gap year. And Mm -hmm. it's just a lot harder once that student is not in, you know, able to pop into your office every day and talk about their college list and talk about, you know, their SATs or what their essay is or anything like that. And so I think it's, it's easier from a process standpoint it is, yep. to apply when you're, you know, you're enrolled in high school still and you have the support of your teachers. Because what I see sometimes happen is students will wait and, okay, I'm going to apply while I'm in my gap year. Mm-hmm. But then they go back to the teachers who wrote their letters of recommendation last year. Those teachers submit the same letters of recommendation. And as an admissions officer, I'm not going to fault the student because I know the teachers are busy. They're writing for a whole right. new class of seniors. Yep. But I feel like there's a, a missed opportunity while you're there on an updated letter of recommendation. I'm like, well, this is from a year ago. Like what right. happened during the student's senior year? And I, yeah, I think there's a lot of missed opportunity if it's not like a whole new process and it's just like, okay, well, here's all the things that I could have submitted last year, but I'm waiting a year to submit them. Yeah. And, and but, I agree. Yeah, like what are, what's your experience with students applying, you know, during senior year or afterwards? Yeah, I've had that. And I can tell you, you know, in kind of my consultant role where I come into high school sometimes and then work there for a few years and then leave to kind of go try to help the next high school. You know, there's always situations where someone will will think about doing that. And I won't have that student. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have. I don't have that student because they had graduated already or I'm or I might be out the door. And so you always want to when you're a senior in high school be in preparation mode, even if you know you're not like, like have the co- have the counselor write the letter for that year so that you can always go back if you decide that you're going to transfer and things like that. And so it certainly is easier, you know, from a process standpoint. Um, and, and that does, that's an important point to make. You know, I think um, one of my last points that I make, and of course, I'd love to hear your last points is, you know, the, uh, the 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 core reason of why you want to do a gap year and i think we focused a lot on okay like you can do a gap year to maybe improve your admissibility at schools but i really hope that the majority of us listening would actually recognize that a gap year can actually not only kind of improve but more so enrich your experience and prepare you for college more right that this is precisely the reason why 
I think Princeton has a, a program that actually it, it, it has the students do a gap year once they've been admitted. Right. And so it would be, you know, there's not uh, every college that can do that from a tuition revenue standpoint. But um, when we talk about, again, a really important point is that the graduation rates are higher. You have this year of maturity, whether regardless of what you do. And so not only seeing a gap year as a, as a way to raise your admissibility at some schools, but more so as a way to enrich your experience and prepare you to thrive once you get to college. So that's, that's what I want this to really, that's what I want one of the takeaways to be about taking a gap year. Do you have any last thoughts, Katie? Yeah, I think that's, you know, right along the lines. I sometimes wish every student could take a gap year. You know, I think about the point. you've gone to school for 14 years straight and day in, day out. It's like, OK, yeah. history, foreign language, English, science, P.E., math. I was like, I know I'm forgetting a subject in there. You know, you're you juggled a lot. You've been so scheduled for 14 yeah. years. And I think the chance to step outside of that and think long and hard about what you really want to do. What are you passionate about? I mean, I think, you know, that's something from my own undergraduate experience that I am so grateful for is retreats were a really big part of my, like the culture and community Mm -hmm. at my undergraduate institution. And those retreats were so influential in me figuring out what I wanted to major in because it was like, okay, I'm stepping away from that paper I have to do and this extracurricular club that I have to write the minutes for the meeting. And I am, you know, giving an admissions tour and then I'm on a panel and we've got an admitted student day coming up. And cause I was doing all kinds of admissions things. And that was so helpful for me to figure out, you know, what, what am I really good at? What brings me joy? What, what do I want to be? What do I want to do in the world? And having that chance to kind of take a pause. And I think that is something the pandemic has done for a lot of people, you know, outside of college, like, okay, you're now working remotely and what are the the things that are really valuable to you? And it's kind of, it's a chance for you at 18 to step away from, being on that conveyor belt of this is the thing that I do next. And then I do this and then I do this and think about what is really important to you and get some different perspectives and go and, you know, get outside of your comfort zone and challenge yourself. Cause I think you get more out of your undergraduate experience with those different perspectives. You're Um, so right. And you bring up, you remind me of such a great point. I think it was like in 2006 or something really early um, I wasn't, I mean, relatively early in my career in admissions and I was at a New York state ACAC conference and the guest speaker was, a he was a well-known writer, um, for one of the publications and, you know, he was addressing, uh, you know, counselors who worked, you know, this is all New York state counselors and primarily the, the counselors that went there that went to the conference were from you know, like uh, under-resourced public high schools and then also the colleges that we're trying to do. And we're trying to, you know, bridge the gap. And he was saying how his daughter had just taken a gap year. And if, you know, he wishes, he thinks everyone should take a gap year. And he's right. Like, that would be awesome. But then I, you know, I raised my hand and was like, you know, like the population that you're speaking to, like our students don't necessarily have the resources to take a gap year. It's a, it is a, luxury in our country. Right. And so we have to acknowledge that. And that's why I loved programs like city year because city year actually pays the students, you know, and gives them housing and and benefits and stuff like that. Wiley, you know, can do really meaningful work and kind of 
like you said, like go on these projects and like figure out what they really want from life and what, what really, what is most important to them. So these programs do exist. It's not the, you know, gap years are not just for affluent families that can, you know, um, masquerade around in, in Europe, right? Like it doesn't have to be that, but, um, but it's going to be different for everyone. So yeah, in a perfect world, everyone could do a gap year. Wouldn't that be cool if that was like the structure of higher ed in America It's like, okay, you get in and then you, you have to do a gap year. Right. And then maybe like we subsidize working or I don't know who knows. Right. But that would make, that would be pretty compelling. Yeah. Hey, I bet it would help for your graduation rates. Oh my gosh. Right. And it would probably, that's another podcast. Right. So, (laughs) um, but thank you everyone for tuning in to just admit it. Please catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting our podcast page. Be sure to bookmark our knowledge base for additional help with navigating the complex and competitive college admissions process. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for more college prep resources. And stay tuned for our next episode in which we will share our top tips on how current high school juniors can prepare for senior year. Thank you so much, Katie. And always such a pleasure to to work with you. And thank you to, to everyone for listening in. Same here. Thanks, Nat. Take care, everyone. Thank you.